I want to thank Cole for uh, filling in last week. And uh, I've told him this before, told him privately, but I want to say it publicly. He did an awesome job last week. So thank you, brother. <clears throat> we'll be in Revelation chapter 2, verses uh, 1 through about 7 this morning. So if you'll make your way there. <clears throat> I also mentioned to Cole when, uh, the other night that uh, <clears throat> right or wrong, you get the privilege of hearing the pastor preach to himself for the next couple of weeks. And you'll understand a little bit, you know, as I, as I go along or whatever, you'll, you'll understand that. So um, just bear with me. <clears throat> the thing that jumps out to me this morning, it's not how much I know. But it's how much that I show. I can have all this up here. And unless my life demonstrates it, it's all for naught. And that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. So prior to that, let's ask God to bless our time together. Heavenly Father, we just ask you to be with us this morning. Be with Dan as he as he preaches to himself, basically. Father, you, you, you've touched me this week. Help me to explain that to your people. In Jesus' name. The seven churches uh, that, that are mentioned are, are significant in, in a way, um, in, in several ways. Uh, first of all, um, in, the, in the New Testament, there's only really two of them that are really mentioned. Okay, that's, that's uh, Ephesians, uh, the church at Ephesus. That's in Ephesians uh, 1b and then in uh, Laodicea. Okay, that's in the... <coughs> That's in Colossians 2, uh, verse 1. Now, the seven churches that we're going to be talking about uh, kind of represent spiritual conditions of Christians, as well as the churches. So we need to discover and understand the various differences. Now, in your hand out there, okay, um, some people <coughs> talks about, you know, Ephesus being the church in the first century and Smyrna and, and, and goes through the, through the list there. But I want to kind of narrow it down. Okay. The seven churches represent 
seven kinds of Christians. So let's begin. To the angel of the church in Ephesus, write. These are the words of him who holds the seven stars in, in his right hand and, and among the seven uh, lampstands. I know your deeds, your hand, uh, your hard work, your perseverance. I know that you cannot tolerate wicked people, uh, that you have tested those who claim to be apostles but are not. And you found them to be false. You have, en you have persevered, have endured hardships for my name, and have not grown weary. Yet, yet, I hold this against you. You have forsaken. The love you had at first. What does that mean? What does that mean today? And for Dan, what it means for Dan is look. I can come up here week after week, deliver a sermon, okay? And it's, sometimes it becomes nothing more than mechanical. Am I checking the blocks? Yes. Am I doing the right things as unto the Lord? Yes. Have I left my first love? Yes. How can that be? Because it, that's exactly what it is. It's all mechanical. It's all head knowledge. My heart is not where it should be at times. And I venture to say all of us wrestle with that time to time. We need to recognize it when it happens. And a lot of times, someone else has to point it out. We go through the motions. We do this. We do that. And it all comes back to, it's not how much I know. It's how much I show and demonstrate in my life. It comes back to the relationship that I have with my Savior. Is it where it should be? Regardless of what else is going on out here. Regardless of how I, I, I function and how I appear out here. Is my relationship with my Heavenly Father where it should be?
Verse 6 says, But you but you have this in, in your favor. You hate. That's a strong word in Scripture. You hate. The practice of the what? I'm going to butcher the word. Okay. The Nicolaitans. Which I also hate. Which tells me, is there a pure hatred for something? There is. Okay. It's not the hate that you and I know. Okay. The despise and all. But it's a pure hate from God. Okay. That, look, if he hates it, then we've got to hate it. Again, that's a strong word in Scripture. So who are these guys? Who are these these uh, Nicolaitans, if you will? These guys, it's a group that tolerated compromise. Get along at any cost. And we find in 2 Corinthians uh, 6, uh, 16 through 18, okay, Paul addresses this, but the, the one that you're familiar with, he says, Therefore, Come out from among them and be you be ye separate, saith the Lord. What does that what does that really mean? What does that really mean? Can I fill you in? The Nicolaitans are with us today. They're with us today. Their motto is what? Inclusiveness and compromise. Now, there's 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 many many things that Nicolaitans practice, if you will. Okay, but here are four of the top ones. There is no emphasis on holy living or separation from the world. If I go to the same place, the same movies, the same activities, how am I different? But you know, I, look, I want to be accepted just like everybody else. I do. Okay? That, that, that's our nature. And I also want to present Christ in the best possible light. Now take it from an old man. I've tried to do my best to represent our Lord and Savior, Jesus. 
I don't always do it. And as strong as I think I is, I ain't. Well, I can maintain my testimony by sitting here in this particular movie. Really? You're there. I shouldn't be, but I'm there. No emphasis on holy living and separation from the world. Now, I'm, look, I'm not talking about just going off somewhere and just being stupid. I'm not, I'm, I'm not talking about that. But, but there's a call here to say, look, who are we? Who are we? If we say we love Jesus, and, and then, yeah. We've got to make some tough decisions. The second one is, there's no emphasis on doctrinal teaching of the Bible. In my first pastorate, I had a gentleman there that says, I'll listen to you, but I don't want to hear any of that doctrine stuff. Well, I, you know, it's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, need I remind everybody in the room? God's word is doctrine. We pattern ourselves after this book. But the Nicolaitans, look, there's no, we don't want any of that doctrinal stuff. There's no emphasis on absolute truth and absolute Bible authority. How many times have you heard that? Well, that's truth for you, but I have my own truth. Really? There is only one truth. His name's Jesus. That's it. And then, and I've been told this uh, uh, several times in my lifetime, okay? It's his way or the highway. You've got no choice. Either you believe what Jesus said or why bother? Why bother? There's no exclusionary, this is number four, there's no exclusionary belief that Christ alone is the way to heaven. How many times have we heard this? Well, that's true for you, okay, but I believe there's, there, there's different ways to heaven, and everybody's going to be there in one happy family, and it's like, are you kidding me? Really? Really? 
No wonder, Jesus said. I hate the Nicolaitans. I hate them. And the praise came, but look, the church at Ephesus hated them too. Where do we stand? Do we hate them? There's a song written by Matthew West. It's called The Motions. And the chorus begins, every time he comes to the chorus, it begins with this phrase. What if, what if I had given everything instead of going through the motions? What have we lost? What have we lost? Back up a verse. Verse 5 says, Consider how far you've fallen. Repent and do the things that you did at first. If you do not repent, I will come. I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place. What does that mean? What that means is, look, okay, let, let's be who, who we say we are, number one. And number two, let, let's learn from our past. Power off. Thank you. There's an emphasis here. Repent and return. What do we need to repent of? You've got to answer that question for yourself this morning. Okay. I've wrestled with this all week. Okay. There's some things that Dan needs to take care of. There's a thing there in, in, in Psalm 51, verse 12. It says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Remember David? Okay, and, and the sin with Bathsheba. Okay, he was found out. And this psalm was written about that. 
Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Do you remember the first time that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Remember that? Okay. Remember that feeling? Okay. Remember that the essence and, and everything that, that you were all about? Do you still feel that way? Not here. Not here. Do you still feel that way? Or has it become mundane? Has it become just mechanical? Look. We're only as good, okay, we're only as good as our relationship is with Jesus Christ. If our relationship isn't right with Jesus, we got no business being here. Repent. Repent of what? Look. We can all we can all keep it out here and say re, re, repent as as a church, and we got some things we need to dress up and and all that. But it starts with the individual. Starts with each one of us. Are we where God wants us to be in His relationship? Nuts on the rest of the world for for the time being. Okay, am I where God wants me to be? That's a yes or no question. Whoever has ears... Let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Look, our attention in this world is divided at best. We've got people in this year, we've got people in this year, okay? And then we're trying to listen to God with our heart here, and it's like, and I can't speak for anybody else in the room, but sometimes it's just like nuts on all of this. I'm checking out, and I'm just going to sit in my chair and vegetate. It's too much. But look at this is to me this is kind of an encouragement too. It says, "Look, whoever has ears, okay, spiritual ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." What's the Spirit saying to our church? To the one who is victorious, I will give, I will give the right to eat of the tree of life. Not of good knowledge. Not the tree of good you know, knowledge, but, but the tree of life. which is in paradise, which is in the paradise of God.
What must we do to get there? What must Dan do to get here? First of all, Dan needs to humble himself and go back to what I said in the beginning. Okay. It's not how much I know. Okay. It's not how much I know. It's how much I'm demonstrating in my life. And I can't do it without his help. I can't. And believe me, I've tried over and over and over and over and over. I can't do it. So the question Dan has to ask himself, where am I at today? What must I do to get back to where God wants me? It's easy to say. But it's going to be hard for Dan to do. And that's just to humble myself and say, hey, God, I need your help. I can't do this. I can't. Would you join Dan today and just say, Lord, I can't. I need your help. Let's pray.